0: hey welcome back to another edition of the money puzzle podcast i'm eric douglas joined here by my partner aaron mcandrew uh here of family wealth planning partners he's got the swag on today if you're watching us on on youtube looks good um i need to get me some of that i've been talking about that all summer and i still haven't picked me up any of that so uh but we appreciate you joining us here and if you listened last week you probably heard us talking about uh, giving just kind of a little bit of a, a snapshot of what the federal reserve had done at its jackson hole wyoming uh conference uh it was on August 26th, I believe, and, and the stock market in response to, uh, took a little bit of a nosedive uh, on on that Friday, heading into the weekend. So that was certainly a fun way to, to kick things off for the weekend. But what we wanted to talk about today was, and it's almost like a broken record this year, but it's really hard to 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 do these podcasts and talk about you know financial planning. Mm-hmm and not talk about inflation and what we do in response to the record inflation and the record stock market volatility that we're really seeing this. We have to talk about it um, and what we do as a result of it, don't I mean? Don't you think?
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, we're getting, you know, when, I, when I'm having my client meetings or going through review meetings or whatnot, it's just you can't get around the topic of, not that you want to get around the topic, you want to hit everything right ahead, but the topic always comes up is, okay, what do we do? now what do we what do we do in a rising interest rate environment what what are we doing in terms of investments uh building out our investment portfolio uh, our investment strategy our financial plan do we change things do we you know Turn on completely. Turn it over. Move it all to cash. When you start seeing the market going down, these are all things that that come up. And I think you know it's a good idea to kind of talk a, a little bit in generality in terms of what what we're what we're doing and kind
0: of conversations we're having. Well, the conversations that we're having, what we're doing in response, and you know maybe towards the end of this, we'll we'll talk about some of the specific things that we've done in response to it this year um but although everyone is going to be a little bit unique of course everyone's situation is, is different but but yeah it, you know you do this was kind of your topic today so i'll mm-hmm. let you maybe kick things off and and get us started and and, and what are some of the, the yeah. things that you're that, that you're seeing you know, as
1: ideas t- to, to, to anytime you see um the market reacting the way it has this year so i'm just going to go back to prior to 2020 when COVID was you know, when COVID happened and the world kind of shut down, okay Uh, 2019, double digit up year, right? 2020 was starting out that way and then all of a sudden the market fell back significantly because the world shut down we went into a recession came out of a recession again at that point in time but it was like a flash crash almost that was the fastest from top to bottom uh that has ever happened and it was about six weeks i believe from top to bottom if
0: if that but yeah it was very very fast so
1: the thing is 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 a lot of people just kind of we're like, okay, I want to move that, you know, market went down from top to bottom, I think 36-something percent just in that short period of time. So it felt like every day it was Dow was 1,000 points down, S&P 500 was 120, 130 down or whatnot. Not just, not,
0: not, not a fun time to be in our job, by the way, I should add. <laughs> no,
1: but what do we do? Like what do what, so what do you do? Is it, hey, just sit it and leave it? Is it uh, just, you know, what kind of investments you have? And I think the answer to that always goes back to what we do, and that's planning. So having a financial plan in place and not letting the investments dictate what your decisions are, letting the plan dictate what investments you have and what investments to use. So there's multiple ways that we can position portfolios and not even just position a portfolio, but what type of investment vehicles can we use inside of these financial plans in order to allow someone to reach their goals? that's the purpose of planning is making sure you're not going to run out of money in retirement. And then you can fund as many of the goals, if not all the goals that that you have as possible.
0: And typically our goal is to make those things happen in,
1: in the safest way possible.
0: Yep. With the least, let say with the least amount of risk instead of with the least amount of risk that we're taking within your portfolio.
1: Yep. So, um, so again, a couple of the questions that come up when you see the market going down, um, you know as quick quickly as it has or some of these big drops i guess is what you'll say we had we had we had the market lows quote unquote lows on uh, june 16th i believe it was this year that they had that and then we kind of had a a late mid-summer uh to summer uh market rally uh we'll figure out that's a bear market rally or What's going on at this point is looking like it is, but yes. So, you know, we'll figure that out. But the questions that come up during review meetings or uh, just when you're meeting with prospects, even, uh, you know, new clients, onboarding new clients or whatnot is, okay, what do we do? Should we move it all to cash? Should we move it all to safe, you know, investments or whatnot? And and again, that goes back. It's not one person that's specific, but you should have a plan. So your near term, uh, your short term need for that money should already be in something that's pretty safe. So you need access. You know, you're going to use that money from one to five years or whatnot. Should already be in some type of investment vehicle that's pretty safe. Probably not subject to the, a lot of this, the market volatility, both bond market and stock market, because when we're talking about markets here. I mean, it's all the markets have been hit by what's going on this year. So, um, and then again, the next from six years to 10 years or six years to 12 years, whatever that next uh, horizon is there should be invested somewhere differently and then you've got your long-term investment strategy that may or may not change because of the short-term fluctuations that you see right now so um so a lot of that a lot of these questions that come up there is okay what should we do and the one question i always have i'm not a big proponent i'm stick to the plan and long-term investment, but let's look and make sure that the investments that are in the plan are actually performing the way that they're supposed to, or the way we would expect them to perform in this, in this type of an environment and even in, a, in the positive environments. But, but uh, you know, that's the biggest thing is not just taking a hundred percent of that portfolio, moving over to cash and sit on it. Because the, the, the first question that I come when, I, when somebody asks me that question, I say, well, when is going to be the best time to get back in it?
0: What's your signal to get back in? What's your yeah. signal
1: to get back in? And you know what most people's signal to get back into the market is? It's when they start seeing that thing. So right now, for example, this is a perfect example of it. What just happened uh, on and June the 16th, we were at our quote-unquote lows. S&P okay?
0: was down over 20% for the year. Yep. Dow Jones was down over 20%. NASDAQ was down 30 over 32% something. Percent yeah. or something. Yeah. Right.
1: So people are not don't have good sentiment in terms of what the market is doing. They're not happy with it. They move they moved to cash or moved to cash before then, okay? What has happened now since June 16th is the S&P has uh, had came back about 10%, 12%, something like that, made up about got up to where it was down about 10%. Now it's down more than that now, but it it came back a little bit, okay? The Nasdaq cut his losses in half basically, okay? Um you know, the Dow came back quite a bit. So when they start seeing that, it's not one day of coming back or two days of coming back. It's an entire month of green where you see the market going up 7%, 8% in one month. Now it's time to get back in. Well, And
0: unless you're paying attention to it on a daily basis, which most people don't, let's be real. Yeah. Unless you're paying attention to it on a daily basis, you're not even going to know that it's happening. Especially if you're waiting for like a quarterly statement or something to come. Like, oh, hey, it looks like we're getting some recovery. You have to be pretty diligent and paying attention to this stuff if you're trying to be very tactical, I should say exactly, as far as when you're going to try to move in and out
1: yep and and unfortunately, they say now well now, now it's time to get back in now it's time to get back in. well, what are we dealing with now again? Inject some more volatility in the market, and it's only going to take a few of the days like Friday or if even a few for people to say, "Give me back out, and now you've officially lost even more than what you've in what you were down before. So again, this is, there's no time better than right now to be thinking, okay, do I have a plan? And having a plan is that first step to take to make sure that you're in place. Cause there's going to be years like this. There's been years like this in the past. There's going to be years like this in the future where you're going to have down years and you're going to have be subject to market volatility. There's also going to be years like last year where you're up double digits, and the last few years where you're up double digits and there's gonna be years in between. So I, I I'd say it's something I really appreciate
0: more and i I've always heard it in this business, but I've really appreciated it more over the last couple of years. So much of successful investing is psychological or behavioral. Yep. If you will. It's 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 weird because it's, it's so counterintuitive. To be a successful investor, you, you need to be counterintuitive. When everybody else is scared to invest, that's usually the best time. Yep. And when everybody else is really joyful and happy with the market, you know what? That's usually the best time to pull out of the market. Yep. Um, you know, there's, there's a thing called the fear-greed index. Yep. When, when greed gets too high, that's the best time to get out because usually it, it's a pretense to a market correction. Um, or when everyone is most fearful, and actually, that fear greed index was most fearful in June when the market was down. We, we hit that bear market territory. We are down 20% mm-hmm. pretty much in all the major indices. Um, well, that was the best time to get in. Yep. <laughs> you, you, it, everyone seems to... Everyone inherently knows what's the name of the game, buy low, sell high, right? That, that's the name of the game. Everyone knows it. It's a lot harder to pull the trigger and actually act on that. So when we think about it from a behavioral perspective, what we want to try to do is remove the, the, the behavior component, right? We want to create habits and, and that's where just monthly habits, monthly, weekly, annual, whatever it is, however often it needs to be, whatever you can do to automate your savings, automate your investments. So you don't think about it because when you think about it, that's when your mind gets in trouble. That's when you get in trouble is when you start thinking about things too much, right? It needs to be instinct. You just need to do it, whether you like it or not. And if you're buying the dips, -hmm. In regularity, every single month, every single year, over time, that's how you get the power of compounding interest. Right, and you're going to force yourself to buy the lows, and over time, you're going to buy more lows than than highs, Um, and you're buying more shares at depleted prices. and, And we know how this works, right? No one here listening to anything that I'm saying is this isn't news to anybody. Everyone knows this, but behaviorally, it's really hard to pull the trigger and to actually do these things when you're scared.
1: And that's what makes retirement plans so great. So when I'm working with retirement plans, this is just as recent as two weeks ago, uh, last week and two weeks ago, I was doing several account reviews and you can't, I can't believe or you probably wouldn't believe the number of people that I meet with that'll say, you know, now's not a good time to put more money into the market. Now's not a good time to be putting money into my investments. And you'll break it down, and I've been using this analogy that has really hit home with a lot of people. They're, they literally will look at me and they'll say, now that makes sense to me. Is now a good time to go out and fill your gas tank up You know, when it's $4 a gallon? Do you feel good about that? No. People feel good about it if it got back down to $2 or under <laughs> $2 or whatever. You, yeah. Nobody was thinking about how much gas cost back when it was that much. So I always use analogy. I'll say, okay, um, everybody wants to put into the market when it's high. When, when it's green, 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 everybody wants to put in. To your point, you're buying at the highest prices at that point. That's no different than me going out and saying, I know, I, ha- I know everybody has to fill up their gas tank. I'm not trying to say only do that once or twice a year. But I'm saying, if you're driving down the street and you saw a gas station, you had a half a tank of gas and you saw a gas station that had $2 a gallon out there, would you pull in and top yours off at $2 a gallon, yeah. or would you keep driving by and say, you know what, I still got a half a tank left, I'll, I'll just fill it back up for $4 a gallon, okay? No, most people are going to pull in and they're going to top it off at the cheaper gas, okay? Why? Because it's low. It's low. It's no different in the market but they don't do it because of the behavior theory that you just talked about. You get get a lot
0: more gas for your money at $2 a gallon than at four. That's for sure. I I mean, I I don't drive anything fancy. I drive a little Toyota Camry, but I remember the wake up call for me when gas was right at about $5 a gallon. And I'm dropping, I think it was $67 to fill up my little four door sedan. And I was like, this is just ridiculous. And I didn't, I mean, and I talked to plenty of friends that, you know, SUVs and, and and pickups that were feeling a lot more pain than I was in my little Camry. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, um, but, but still it, it, it's to, to your point. Yeah. I mean, you, nobody thinks about, you know, buying, it's a lot easier to buy when everything else is on sale. Most people, you go into a store, where do you go first? The clearance rack in the back of the store.
1: Yep. And the other thing that I've learned is cause I'll ask that question I say, well, why is that? Why do you think that is? And they say, well, because I just see the account balance continue to go down but they don't look at it in terms of the shares that they're buying. Like you mentioned earlier, where you said, hey, you put the money in, you're getting shares, you're going to get more shares for of that investment for, for the same amount of money you're putting in every single week, but when the market's down or when that investment's down, you're actually getting more shares of that. So when it comes back up, you have more shares that will go back up. Helps with that compounding interest and that growth.
0: It's also worth noting the biggest market rallies occur – usually in bear markets (laughs) or, or, or or when we're recovering from a bear market. Um, so when the market is at its lowest, that's usually when you see the biggest rallies in the market. That's when whatever tipping point that is hit, whenever low point is hit, um, that's when you see the biggest gains, um, you know, occur. So if, if you're waiting on the sidelines, waiting for the perfect time to, to come back in and, and play the game, um, you're going, to, you're going to miss out on the, the best part, <laughs> uh, which is those huge
1: market rallies. Yep. And I saw a statistic uh, when I was doing all these presentations or whatnot. I saw a statistic doing, when I was looking at some research here, somebody who would be out the 10 best days of the market, oh, yeah. and we could have several of them here, compared to where they were if they just stayed in at that time. It was a huge, significant difference over over a period of time by trying to time it. Um, You know, timing the market to me is just like somebody that tells you when they tell you that, "Oh my gosh, I made this much money" or "I made this much on this investment" or whatnot. They also haven't told you the amount of times that that they've lost that or whatnot.
0: Oh yeah. So let's shift gears here a little bit. So we've we've kind of been a little more philosophical, right? Um, You know what to do, and you know don't panic. Basically, everything we've just talked about is. Don't panic, right? Mm -hmm. And you shouldn't. Then that's everything we talk about ultimately is going to come back down to that and and stick with your plan and, you know, follow whatever instructions that we laid out. With that being said, from a tactical standpoint, what are some of the things realistically that we are doing and that you can do in your portfolios as well um, to maybe hedge against? If you are feeling a little uncomfortable with with what's happening in the market, and you just want to make yourself feel a little bit better, what are some things that you can be doing?
1: You can de-risk. I mean, there's the different things you can do to de-risk. If you're if you're now is really a good point in time to to self-assess how much risk should I be taking? How much risk am yep. I comfortable taking? Because 2019, 2020 years where you've got even 2021, um, you know, years that it's markets up double-digit. Everybody wants to be super aggressive. I want to be as aggressive as I possibly can until they start seeing their portfolios down 20, 22, 23%. That's a really good idea. If you're getting uncomfortable with how that's feeling you may be biting off too much risk and it could be a time to de-risk your portfolio not saying move it all to cash i'm just saying de-risk the portfolio to take out some of that exposure to um that equity exposure that may be causing some of that Mm -hmm. um you know the bond market is also down uh you know double digits at this point in time still i believe oh yeah um so you know that again we're in a rising interest rate environment at that point when interest rates rise bond values fall um obviously when interest rates go down bond values go up so they work inversely but that's affecting some of the bond uh market as well so just looking at the total portfolio and making sure that it's in line with yourself risk tolerance um risk wise and you're comfortable with that nobody's I'm not saying anybody's got to be comfortable with losing 20 percent. like nobody's nobody's comfortable being down 20 percent. but if you're down 20 plus percent your portfolio is probably more aggressive than what And if you, you know, it's it's an aggressive portfolio. Yeah, so absolutely. And so some things that we've
0: done on our end when we're managing clients' portfolios is we, we moved – we saw very very early this year we realized what was happening with the, the, the Federal Reserve policy, mm-hmm. and they were going to be raising rates, and they announced that they were going to be raising rates through the end of summer at least, and when now we know it's going to bleed into to the fall. Um, and so we knew when when rates increased, bond values decreased, and they've decreased significantly this year. So we've been sitting on more cash this year than we typically have. Now, have we moved 100% to cash? Absolutely not, because that's um, – that's overreactionary, right? And we never want to be overreactionary or overly emotional. But from a purely logical standpoint, we made a rational decision. Okay, we see what's happening in the fixed income market. We have the fixed income side of our portfolios are designed to be the hedge against equity risk. So we decided that the safest place for a portion of the fixed income portfolios that we manage, we needed a higher allocation in cash. So we've been sitting in a little bit more cash. I'm not going to give specific numbers for the world to hear or anything, but we've been sitting in higher amounts of cash and pretty much the bulk of our clients' portfolios for a good chunk of this year, which has stemmed off some of the loss in the markets. Um, We made some tactical shifts within our equity portfolios as well. So we've changed, um, you know, some allocations away from um, growth-oriented or, you know, tech-heavy types of investments. Um, We talk about the Dow Jones being down, you know, at a slow point, 20%, but the NASDAQ, which is very tech-heavy, very innovation-oriented, well, those are the companies that are going to be hit quite a bit worse in an increasing rate environment. Cause those are the companies that are using a little bit more debt to fund their growth. Mm-hmm. More debt means you're, you know, having to pay interest on your debt when interest rates go up. Hey, guess what happens to your balance sheet? You're having to spend more money on your profit and loss statements every month. So functionally, those were a few things that we did. We shifted our focus and the types of equities that we invested in away from growth and away from innovation types of funds, uh, into more value oriented traditional types of equities. Um, and so those were just a couple of things that we did. What are, what are some other things that you've you've done with, with some of your clients this year? Well, some of
1: some of it based on again what the plan calls for, there's other types of investments where you can add some layers of security in, meaning that hey, maybe we still want to try to go after growth, but I want to have some t- some sort of downside protection on this for a 3-year period of time or a 5-year period of time or whatever you carve off a portion of that portfolio and you're putting it into there and it may have a 20% downside protection. Meaning if the market goes down 20%, then then it still gives them a layer of of protection in there. Um, but they still have opportunities for growth. So there's other types of investments for the, again, short term. This wouldn't be something that, that would be a long term uh, play on it. So there's other types where you can get Certain rates of return, you got to back in to figure out. Okay, what rate of return do I need to do? I need to get for a three-year period of time or whatnot because I know I'm going to be able to need to use this money in three years, so it's not being subjected to any of the bond market or the stock market losses. So these are some these are some things that we've been doing inside of inside of client portfolios. I'll
0: add tax loss harvesting as well. That's Mm -hmm. another big thing that we've been taking advantage of this year. Um, You always want to find, you know, the positives in a a negative year like this. And one of the things that we are able to do um, when we've had The declines in the market is to take advantage of those losses um, and and do what's called tax loss harvesting, which is basically realizing the loss, if you will, so selling some of these positions that have a negative... Return, Um, So we're able to claim the loss for our clients. So when they go to do taxes in 2023, they have some losses that they're able to write off on their taxes and maybe even carry some forward over the next few years. Um, So that's a a big, big thing that we've been doing this year when when we're able to. Um, it, It allows us to typically maybe move out of some positions that we were stuck in to some degree, that maybe we, you know, maybe some, especially some newer clients, I should probably be more specific when I say that, when we have newer clients that come to us with maybe positions that they've been holding on to for a while, um, this is a an opportunity for us to finally maybe reevaluate those positions, some things that maybe we are holding on to because we didn't want to have some type of a tax burden. Well now if we don't have that tax liability weighing on us deciding to move out of a position, we can go ahead and, and, and make some changes there. It's also a fantastic time to be doing Roth conversions. I knew you were get right so it's your that's <laughs> still your thunder. You go, no, yeah. you go ahead. Um, so so this is actually a really, really good time to be doing Roth conversions right now. Why is that? Well, Roth conversions are usually a pretty solid strategy, but especially in a, in a deflated or a recessionary environment where markets are, are down. Um, ultimately, what are you trying to do whenever you're converting something from a traditional IRA to a Roth IRA? Well, you're going to, you know, let's say you have $100,000 in an IRA and you want to convert the whole thing to a Roth. Well, you have to realize the $100,000 in gains and pay taxes on the $100,000 in gains. If that $100,000 is now down to let's say 75, well, now you're only converting 75 instead of 100. You're only paying taxes on 75 instead of 100. So you have less of a tax liability on the amount that you're converting. So maybe you're able to convert more shares um, at a lower price and you're getting more money into a tax-free vehicle. um, So you're able to mitigate your tax savings or i'm sorry you're able to mitigate your tax liability
1: your long-term tax liability i should say to a much greater degree and that goes back to that same shares that we talked about earlier so yep the value of the account was down
0: the number can- the yes. number of shares didn't the change the number of
1: shares didn't change so yep. you're taking the same value you're taking the same number of shares converting it to the yep. to the roth paying less taxes than what you would have paid because the value of it is down. And that same number of shares has the opportunity to grow back the way that it does when the markets or the investments come back. So that's another great example of the difference in looking at the investment accounts as the number of shares that you own, not just what the value of it is. Yeah. So, so- – Functionally, do you have anything else? Any other tactical strategies that you've implemented or talked to your clients about that you want to make sure that we discuss? The only other one that I have used, and it's not, it doesn't always make the most sense to use it, but in some situations it does. Is when you get it when you have a client that comes either into some money or they uh, are retiring and they've got a lump sum of money they're trying to roll over or transfer over to an IRA instead of not being able to predict this market right now and the volatility of it being up and down and not thinking it's going to continue to go down or whatnot again not trying to time it, is using that same dollar cost average strategy that we're talking about with retirement plans but with that lump sum of money and putting it in weekly or monthly or whatnot as that goes because you always have the ability to pull the trigger and say hey let's put it let's dump it all in at this point but starting out and putting it into investment strategy over time to try to take Mm -hmm. advantage of if the markets continue to go down buying at lower costs so again that's something that i've been talking about with two clients with um and several clients like that idea and if they, you know they're on board with that idea we'll we'll implement that too for sure absolutely so with that
0: being said Um, Do you have questions around your portfolio? Are you making any changes? Do you have questions about what changes maybe you should be making right now? Do you have a plan put together? Uh, Is that something you need help with? Please give us a call, 502-200-5210. You can visit our website, fwp partners.com you can schedule a meeting directly from the homepage of our website if that's easiest for you even schedule just a a free 15-minute consultation and we'll be more than happy to start chatting with you and and making sure any of the questions and concerns you have about your personal financial situation are properly addressed Uh, we'd love to have you come in if you have any more questions uh, please come in to see us as well we'd love to address those and um, if anything that we had to say today Resonates with you or resonates with any friends or family that you think might benefit to hear it, we welcome you to please share our content. We would greatly appreciate that. With that being said, thanks for joining us and we'll see you next time. The information given herein is taken from sources that IFP Advisors LLC. Doing Businesses Independent Financial Partners, IFP, IFP Securities, Doing Business's IFP, and its advisors believed to be reliable, but it is not guaranteed by us as to accuracy or completeness. This is for informational purposes only and in no event should be construed as an offer to sell or solicitation of an offer to buy any securities or products. Please consult your tax and or legal advisor before implementing any tax and or legal related strategies. Mentioned in this publication as IFP does not provide tax and or legal advice. Opinions expressed are subject to change without notice and do not take into account the particular investment objectives, financial situation, or needs of individual investors. This report may not be reproduced, distributed, or published by any person for any purpose without IFP's express prior written consent. Securities offered through IFP Securities, LLC, doing business as independent financial partners, IFP, member of FINRA and SIPC. Investment advice offered through IFP Advisors, doing business as IFP, a registered investment advisor. IFP and family wealth planning partners are not affiliated. The information given herein is taken from sources that IFP Advisors, LLC, doing business as IFP, IFP Securities LLC, doing business as IFP, and its advisors believe to be reliable, but it is not guaranteed by us as to accuracy or completeness. This is for informational purposes only, and in no event should be construed as an offer to sell or solicitation of an offer to buy any securities or products. Please consult your tax and or legal advisor before implementing any tax and or legal related strategies mentioned in this publication as IFP does not provide tax and or legal advice. Opinions expressed are subject to change without notice and do not take into account the particular investment objectives, financial situation, or needs of individual investors.